I think sand my when I was bouncing ideas off my sister and she was like sand something to the effect that sand was the first one that didn't sound like I was going um full tilt a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Tilt loser. I mean, she didn't really say it like that, but she was like, that one actually sounds kind of cool. Like, she didn't like the Frank Herbert experience. I mean, the Frank Herbert experience is a great name for a band. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a great name for a podcast, too. I like sand. Sand. It's just cool. I don't know what we'll call our listeners yet, but. Sandies. Sandies. Yeah, that's what I thought. Wash off before you get come inside. <laughs> Welcome to Sand, a podcast about Dune. Um, I'm Molly. I'm Lance. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be discussing chapters 7 through 12 of the first Dune book. Yeah, but first we'll just chat about some things. How's it going, Lance? It's going good. It's going good. Uh-huh. You know, holding up. You know, uh, for those listening, it's uh, uh, in the future. It's still, mm-hmm. still, uh, we're still in quarantine. So, you know, holding up. How about you? Yeah, totally. I mean, this week was like really hard. <laughs> it was much different than the first two weeks where I was just like pretty hyper and spazzing out <laughs> <laughs> um, and just having a lot of fun, you know, grilling and stuff. Um, oh, grilling. Yeah. But now I've settled into my routine and I was starting to get really agitated. But yeah, I feel like I've I've come full circle on that phase, I hope, because it was not really a fun <laughs> mind space. Anyway, ready to attack the week. <laughs> yeah, week yeah. attack. Mm-hmm. It's time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This week was a total blur. But into better things, uh, let's, do you want to talk about movies for the week? Yeah, let's yeah. talk about movies. Okay, great. Oh, let me get my little sheet. Do you want to start this time? Sure. Yeah. So I have I have continued the, the cycle Bond. of watching garbage. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I've been watching Marvel movies and James Bond. Uh, uh-huh. I've been watching so much James Bond. I am up to Moonraker. So that's 1979. So I have, I have explored essentially two full decades of James Bond, which is kind which, of what is yeah. interesting about watching them. Which Bonds does that cover? So... All of the Sean Connery, mm-hmm. and then the one George uh, Lazenby, 
and then Sean Connery returning, <laughs> and then Roger Moore. And so I'm on Roger Moore right now. Nice. Yeah. So Marvel movies and James Bond movies. And then we also watched Gone Baby Gone, Tootsie. Oh, uh-huh. Parenthood. And then we uh, recently got into this show, Zero, 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 which is on Amazon. Oh, yeah. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. It's pretty cool and dark. <laughs> Why so dark? Is it just violent? Yeah, it's violent. It, I mean, it's about it's about the cocaine trade. So it kind of explores three like three kind of areas of the cocaine trade. One is the 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 buyers, the sellers, and the brokers. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of like explores these three storylines about those three different areas of the cocaine trade. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I mean, does it make it? Is there anything about it that makes it different from like other drug shows? Other than having Dane DeHaan. Uh, <laughs> not, I know who that is. Is he sounds hot? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh-huh. Uh, he's had an interesting career. He's this baby faced thirty four year old actor who like I was looking at him. I was like, why does he still look fifteen? <laughs> I know he's been around for a long time. He was in Valerian. What's that? That space oh, he does movie? have a baby face. Yeah. My God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That space movie. That uh-huh. French space movie. But it's kind of told, it's, it's an interesting narrative tricks they use. Like, they kind of, like, play with point of view where you'll see one character's, like, you'll be with one character and then something will happen and they'll backtrack and see the point of view from another character. Mm-hmm. Which isn't, okay. you know, like, revolutionary Rashomon. or anything. But it's, it's ve- yeah, it's, it's less about a different point of view versus, like, just Divergent. What, what, what happened previously with another character. Yeah, okay. like that. Um, you? you well, you said. Oh. Hold on, I, I have a uh-huh. quick question. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, you said that what you like about watching the James Bond movies is like seeing how they change over time. Mm-hmm. So, how did they change? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the the most clear way they change is the film stock they use. Oh, because uh-huh. the the early '60s James Bond are shot on, I believe, is three strip Technicolor, which is like this, like. Uh, kind of complicated process that uses it gets very vivid colors and mm-hmm. it looks everything looks like it's like postcard it's just like really cool colors and makes it feel more like like a painting mm-hmm. um and then they the 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 film got cheaper and the <laughs> colors kind of dulled but the budgets got bigger and so like the effects get better and the stunts get better <laughs> as far as as far as like the the change in the time goes it's all about the outfits like they're absolutely wearing mm. like 60s outfits in the early 60s and then like now he's wearing like giant lapels like huge ties that like cover half their chest almost bell bottom kind of like pant legs like it's ridiculous how 70s the the clothing becomes interesting and uh so which one's better, Sean, Con- Sean Connery or Roger Moore? I like Sean Connery as James Bond more, although there's things I don't like. Like Sean Connery's definitely more violent towards women. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh, it, it almost seems like he's enjoying it when he's doing it. And that bothers me a lot. <laughs> well, uh, that's good, I guess. <laughs> versus Ro- Roger Moore still will occasionally slap a woman. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> which isn't great. <laughs> but he seems to be like more like a. He I'm just does it when he gets, re- when she asks for it. That's yeah. what you're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> More like he's just like snap out of it. We'll give a woman a slap. And again, right. that's not defending him. But Sean Connery, it seems like he does it to be like, this is what I'm, I'm a man and, and I'm powerful. And this is what I'm doing to show my power. And it seems like he's enjoying it. And, it, and it's creepy. Mm-hmm. More of the sadomasochism going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. And uh, okay. What was the best Avengers movie you watched? I don't know. They're all the same. I know. <laughs> I know. I've already like complained to you about, I really, really, really tried last year with um, catching up for infinity war. And I just couldn't believe how stupid, but <laughs> I feel like they got worse. Cause I really liked all the Spider-Man movies a lot. And like, I liked the first Iron Man a lot. Or well, maybe I Sp- just... those are, those are the on opposite ends. Those Iron Man is very early and Spider-Man is very late. Oh no. I mean the ones with Tobey Maguire. Oh, 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 right, right. Well, yeah. those don't, those aren't in the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe. Oh my God, I'm going to shut up. Now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I just mean from my personal chrono- chronology of living. <laughs> no, no, I totally understand. I do yeah. think that they get better around, I'm, I'm currently watching the Winter Soldier, and I think they start to get better there. Mm-hmm. But then again, they're all the same movie. That's yeah. just, you know, it's fun garbage. Yes. Well, that's important. Okay. Well, this week I I watched Misery. Um, oh. Mm-hmm, really, for the first time, loved it. In a Lonely Place, which was really great. The Family Stone, which was my equivalent of an Avengers movie. <laughs> <laughs> also with Ever After, which I do think is actually a quality movie. Crimson Peak, M, and this documentary called Sour Grapes. But yeah, for the Satan, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned this James Bond thing because In a Lonely Place was like, have you heard of it? Uh, I've heard of it. I, I don't know if I've seen it. What? Which one is that one? Yeah, it's Humphrey Bogart. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he did so many of these noir movies, but this was my favorite, I think. It was him and this woman named Gloria Graham. And it's based off of a novel, but so that he's like a screenwriter who gets pulled in for questioning because a woman who came to his apartment like wound up murdered. But Gloria Graham is his neighbor and she comes in and she's never met him, but she like defends him and gives him an alibi because she likes his face. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then she starts to kind of not be sure if he is the murderer or not. Um, and it's like, okay, just like uh, the whole, there's a lot of sadomasochism <laughs> or like male-female kind of scary mm-hmm. relationships in it. Humphrey Bogart is unhinged. Like, he's freaky in this movie. It doesn't get really violent ever, but it's like, it's just really effective in making you, like, feel her fear of him, I guess. Oh, And, like, her uncertainty about, she's like, she really falls in love with him. And it's so well-written. It's like when they talk about, like, you know, old Hollywood scripts, this one was just like, zinging it was so good but yeah that was definitely the best movie i watched this week followed by misery which was also really great oh yeah you really you, ha, had you seen misery before uh-uh no oh and you like that one yeah i really liked it just because kathy bates is so <laughs> she's so funny and so um scary like i literally screamed four times in the movie like i got i really i never and i haven't been like 
you know, jump scared. I watched The Conjuring last week and it like didn't do anything. What? Um, <laughs> oh, that movie was not very good or scary. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we're not talking about The Conjuring. <laughs> okay. That movie is like one of the few movies that scared me. Wow. Well, I, I couldn't really sleep after it, but I was like during it, I, I just never got really that scared. I liked um, Annabelle the doll or whatever better. Annabelle's Annabelle return. the doll. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one better. Oh, that's crazy. That's just crazy to me. <laughs> no, because that was... so much scarier. It really was not. Were you scary. on your phone or doing other things? No, I feel like I was... it's just like it's so involving. Like I'm like on the edge of my seat, like freaked out at The Conjuring. I and I don't get scared by movies. Huh. I don't know why. Well, it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) I think because I had so much fun watching Annabelle's Return and it like it just felt like um like an old sitcom episode or something. Mm -hmm. Like with the babysitter and all that. And this one didn't have as much I mean, I think it did have hardcore genre stuff going on, but it wasn't as corny. (laughs) And I wish it had been, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was kind of fine. But misery I thought was really fun. Because she just keeps popping up and she's so creepy. Yeah, she's great. That's a great character. Yeah. Uh, And she is like kind of the ultimate, like, I can't, I can't read that book without it just immediately imagining Kathy Bates in it because she's just like was so perfect (laughs) as that character. I remember that movie when it came out. My parents went to go see it, and they and I don't remember what they told me to go see, but they like put me in a different theater, I guess, because mm-hmm. it was rated R. So I went to go see a different theater. My movie ended. I was like, I'm gonna go find my parents, and I walk into. <laughs> into then the I know theater. what scene you did. What? <laughs> no, no, no. I walked <laughs> okay. into the theater to find my parents after my movie ended. I'm like, oh, how am I gonna find them? And I just hear my dad go, "All right," <laughs> like real loud <laughs> the moment Whoa. I walk into the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I got that made me real excited to see the movie from that point because I was like, "What made my what got my dad so excited?" About did you ever movie? find out what did? I don't remember the scene. I oh, think okay. if I watched it today, I would I would find out because I feel like I know my dad enough. I have a definite guess, but uh, I don't want to spoil the movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean okay, I will. Who cares? Yeah, um, it's a very old movie. <laughs> yeah, spoil it, and it's not as it's not really a spoiler. It's just that she like clops his feet yeah it wasn't the hobbling scene the hobbling with, scene. yeah that, or whatever he calls she calls it he wasn't yeah. really excited by that he wasn't like excited, <laughs> like yeah get him <laughs> <laughs> okay it was maybe it was like uh when she he hits her with the typewriter her, yeah, yeah that's probably yeah, what that's, that's probably what it was yeah. yeah yeah i mean that was very exciting i didn't know what he was i thought he was gonna burn her and i was like oh like i i'm glad i hate watching people burn so <laughs> <laughs> i was relieved that movie so it won my affection did you um, like him um yes sure in a in a academic sense i guess yeah <laughs> yeah That's i mean kind I, of movie i did think it was really cool that it was filmed in 1931 in germany like before mm-hmm. like right before nazism took hold i guess mm-hmm. so that was cool and then i also thought it was it was very well done about like how authoritarianism happens um and i love peter laurie yeah yeah but it's pretty cool yeah he's definitely cool 
Um, but it was also kind of boring <laughs> at times. It's fine. It was good. A worthy film. <laughs> yeah, I'd been meaning to watch it for so long, um, but I was like too scared to watch it because the preview really freaked me out or his little whistling tune. So I think I was hyping myself up to getting like, uh. really creeped out. And it was creepy. You know, it's troubling, but we're we're always talking about that kind of stuff now. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Been there. Anyway, cool. So should we dive into Dune? Yeah. Let's get in there. So, okay. So I did look up a few names, but not really. I didn't find anything too interesting. I looked up Wellington Yue. Yue. Okay. And Juana Marcus, his wife. Mm-hmm. And the shout out Mapes. Who shout I, out Mapes. <laughs> shout out Mapes. She, yeah, she's pretty incredible. But yeah, there isn't anything too interesting. So I'll go pretty quick. Both of the origins of these names are just kind of like classic. They're like named for provinces in whichever country. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So Wellington is English. And there's it's from Herefordshire, Shopshire, Somerset. <laughs> And okay. um, that's, that's where Beef Wellington ca- comes from. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yui is um, a group of South China people formerly occupying the coastal provinces from Chekang, I'm sorry, uh, southward, having affiliates with the early Yao and early Vietnamese empire. So anyway. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they both are pretty like very regional common names in England and China. So I thought that was kind of neat. And then Juana Marcus, the only, so the interesting thing there is that there's another Bene Gesserit named Marcus Clare. And I'm wondering if they're related. So we'll see. And then for the shout out Mapes, <laughs> I, there's actually, there's <laughs> anything to figure out. Shout out means well dipper, which we learn right, in this, learn. these chapters. Mapes, I mean, could be maps. Uh, oh. But, yeah, but mostly, I don't know how he came, because it's such a cool-sounding name. Right. Shout-out Mapes. Shout-out Mapes. Woo! Yeah. yeah. Like, Shout-out to my Mapes. <laughs> cool. Uh-huh. Uh, I forget, are, are, do we do a Princess Irulan reading? Oh, well, I didn't... We could. I didn't pick one in particular. I mean, do, would you take a request? Yes, I'd take a request. Okay, the very short one that I think is in the eighth chapter. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, about Yui. Okay. Yui. All right, so are we ready? Yeah. Okay. Yui, 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 goes the refrain. A million deaths were not enough for Yui. From A Child's History of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irlan. Thank you. That's that's one of my favorite entries, uh, and one of the reasons that I love it so much is because it's from a child's history of Muad'Dib. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> Which that suggests funny. that it's like the kids' version of yeah. Muad'Dib's story, and that that like that's in the kids' book. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's for the kids. Yeah, they're all taught this disturbing chant. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they're all cheering. You can imagine. A million deaths for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I also can imagine, like when you said a child's history, I, I imagined it written by like a child quorum, like a bunch of kids who are like really adult seeming, I guess, and they wrote the child's history and they're like on behalf of the children. Oh, so Irulan just like trans- transcribed it? <laughs> yeah, they came and visited her. <laughs> but I guess this is just, yeah, this is to appeal to the kids. <laughs> um, love it. Poor Yui. Love it. Yeah. So we start in chapter seven with, uh, they're, they're on Arrakis. Uh-huh. They just got there. Mm-hmm. And Jessica is like, unpacking yeah because like and basically this is just everybody kind of settling in like this whole little section right it's like people settling in to it's yeah. like getting ready it's all getting ready they're all getting ready uh duke leto is not looking so good right now he's a bit shaken up right um we become aware of quite a few more devious plots <laughs> happening, <laughs> right? Like further details, and Paul's life is threatened. Right. We set up mm-hmm. uh, some more of the like reading the temperature on uh, uh, politics of the Harkonnens and the Fremen and the Atreides, and then like how the Fremen feel about like their usage of water, uh-huh. that sort of thing. Yeah. We're going to, because in chapter 12, it gets really term heavy. Yeah. I feel like, like, yeah, we'll get to chapter 12, because chapter 12 is a lot. It's it's a a lot. Okay, so let's just kind of go through and like, yeah. Okay, so chapter seven is Jessica, yeah, as you said, she's unpacking, and her and Duke Leto talk, Leto, have a little conference right she doesn't want to hang up the picture of his dad in the dry in the dining room right well so she pulls out the bull's head right that's that caked she- in his dad's blood <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she, i thought that was funny because she's like what oh what fate had me unwrap these two things but like wouldn't both of those things be very be together, yeah, yeah, right. be together. <laughs> like the painting of his dad wearing a matador's costume and then the bull's head that <laughs> killed him but I guess the symbolic meaning there, because she's like, she says, what is the symbolism of this? And I guess it's just that Leto, Leto's going to die. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think that is the symbolism. I, and I think that like, well, it also makes it sound like she has never liked that picture even before yeah. the, like the prophecy that he's gonna die right like yeah she, he's like ah, oh, just because you don't like to eat around this picture this he dead bull's head with yeah. blood still on it yeah right and she doesn't like his dad classic <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah totally yeah and then so we also learned that she normally eats in her own room by herself <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's like you're lucky winch otherwise you have to be (laughs) i mean he's so rude to her he's like yeah like she likes to eat in her room she even says like i'd like to join you and he's like no i'm gonna be out (laughs) yeah sorry sorry i'm gonna be out late don't wait up so then he leaves and then we that's when we meet uh, our gal the shout out mapes yeah intercrowd applause (laughs) she she tests jessica yeah and Jessica passes by accident. Well, this is an important test. This is right. another thing. This is like the whole Missionaria Protectiva, which I wish it had a different name. It's very cool. It's 
basically like the Bene Gesserit prophecy that they planted all over the universe. And does she know? Because it seems like she doesn't even know like specifically which prophecy they planted on Arrakis. But she keeps accidentally fulfilling it. So mm-hmm. we're not sure. She's like, oh my God, like, uh, I'm just filling out this prophecy. But then she keeps passing it. Yeah, by accident. So it's like, is it fate? Is it right. trickery? We're not really sure. Right. She's like, name this knife. And she's like about to say it's a maker of death. Yeah. And she just says a maker. And Shad, I was like, oh my God. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant to say. Like, yeah, she's like, t- uh... yeah, maker. Yeah, totally knew that maker that makes sense (laughs) okay um but i mean it was cool because it's like she knew that she needed to say something correct and but she did happen to have all the languages so she knew the term and i don't know i mean i'm just this whole thing like flips my head around a lot and i like it yeah it's like how fortune telling i guess kind of works (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) were you just kind of like you're like yeah that's right no, no, it's like a mix between all this preparation and all these things that do wind up like lining up in a fate like way because mm-hmm. you're not really it's basically all the threads mm-hmm. coming together, you know, where you're not really sure where they were going to and here they are, her training or whatever like happens to lead to something that feels like magic. Right. Yeah. Right. And then well, uh, doesn't as she, a reward- What do you think I do want to ask, what do you think a maker, why do you think, what is that? Why Why do do they call it a maker? Freaked out like at a maker, yeah. Well, I think it was just that she knew it was called the maker, right? Because that's the test for some reason. She's like, name this knife. And she says it's the maker, which is, I guess, a secret. Like, they don't tell people that. Uh Because the knife isn't even allowed to leave Arrakis. So it's like a, a closely guarded thing. Mm-hmm. As we and even it, lo- later learned that like there's like something like a, a million space dollars reward <laughs> for <laughs> anyone that can get a maker. I mean, I guess, yeah, they have a lot of respect for the knife in general. Yeah. And then, you know, because she unsheathes it, you have to, it like, has to draw blood. What yeah, wait, hold it? on. Can I say one of my yeah. favorite shout out Mapes lines? Okay. I, this I think is before the same this one. Ha- okay. 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 Oh, oh, okay. Go ahead. This is before. Uh-huh. So she says, why, you know, my lady, I don't even have to wear my still suit here. She cackled. And me, not even dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was good, too. I like that I one. thought that one's so funny because she's just like, ah, ha, ha, I could die at any second. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, by the way, your Shut Up Mapes voice, very similar to the audiobook voice for Shut Up Oh, Up wow. Mapes. Yeah. Cool. Keep getting that. Yeah. You're, you're nailing it. <laughs> uh i'm gonna find the my here we go when Jess, so jessica like cuts her because mm-hmm. you have to draw blood if you unsheath a knife <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and they're talking about like how you know mapes is like did you think the blood bothered me mapes asks <laughs> i'm of the desert and i've seen blood plenty and then later she says and some of it my own more than you drew with your puny scratch yeah. <laughs> and then jessica says You'd rather I cut deeper? And she goes, ah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it says, ah, no. That's <laughs> like, hilarious. Just A-H. Ah, no. Ah, no. Yeah. Uh, no. no, uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she rocks. Yeah, she's testing Jessica so closely because 
she's like, oh, you are the, you know, the prophecy come true. But then, like, Jessica almost says something wrong again. She's immediately suspicious of her. She's, like, so sharp. I don't know. I love oh, <laughs> yeah. I also well, like when oh. she says, um, when she tore open her bo- her brown bodice, wailing, take the water of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Take the water of my life! <laughs> <laughs> and she knows it's just supposed to be a little scratch. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'll heal in the- instantly. So then... Jessica goes and chats with Yui. Well, hold on. What oh, do you yeah. make of this whole thing? Like, why just why is this Jessica's test? Oh, I mean, it's just the test to find out if if the prophecy is true, yeah. right? Like, but to then, make sure that it's they're who they think they are. Yeah. Then she like, I mean, the whole when she does cut her. She thinks that for a moment it might be poisoned, but she still does it. Um, I don't know. I thought that was weird, too. Wait, because Jessica thinks it might be poisoned? Yeah. She thinks she might kill her, but I guess she, it's just that she knows she has to do something. I think, yeah. I think it's that she has to do it. She has to play the part, essentially. Yeah. Whether the prophecy is true or not, I think she just feels like, oh, this is what the Bene Gesserit's plan is. Like, they sent people to plant this prophecy here, and I have to play a part of this i have to like feed into it mm-hmm. as my duty as a Benny jesuit whether the prophecy is about me or not i have to like play the part right yes she's very good at it yeah yeah and then mape says she's the one all right poor thing <laughs> pretty good pretty that is that first chapter okay and then we talk to yui mm-hmm. we talk about the palm trees oh yeah oh yeah so i wanted to ask what you like think the castle looks like i mean they describe it and i'm probably gonna like my my image probably like defies the description a little bit Mm -hmm. but i feel like really tall hallways Mm. tall but narrow hallways Uh i feel like there's lots of doors Mm -hmm. and like kind of a smooth like a smooth a wood and stone look wood and stone yeah. What color? Like I, I, I see everything like real dark, like just uh-huh. like like almost almost black, like real yeah real dark. Yeah, I agree. I think that's right. I like the i, but I keep adding like more air and flair to it. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like I do imagine it. I like it having like really tall ceilings and like very narrow passageways and things like twisting and turning all the time, but like also huge windows right yeah i, I imagine huge windows yeah. too yeah yeah Ooh, almost like the house house <laughs> that that baby that huge baby <laughs> in mad max lives in like almost that vibe <laughs> like where it's like do you know who i'm talking about which mad max oh the last mad max Fury oh okay Road. Road. yeah yeah where it's like almost like carved out of a mountain Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I definitely imagine it very ornate and uh-huh. and lots of like curves, uh-huh. like yes, cur- curvy walls and like uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Oh, a beautiful curved archways everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and then love the palm trees, even though they represent like right. hundred fremen, <laughs> right? Every, like twenty fremen per palm tree is pretty pretty bad, but yeah, I like yeah. that Yui's kind of like the bummer about. Uh, like about yeah. everything he's like yeah i look at those palm trees i'll bet what they're thinking is that's a hundred people 
I know, because she's just like, no, they're just, they're like hoping for a date. <laughs> they just <laughs> right. want to catch a date. <laughs> He's like, mm, alas, if only that were true, it represents the the lives of <laughs> their family members. Like, well, okay. So they kind of talk about, is this when Yui is like trying to hide? His- yeah. So he knows that she's been a Jesuit and is like, she know he, because he was married to a Benny Gesserit. He knows that like she's very perceptive. So he's like, she knows I'm hiding something. So I've got to make it kind of clear that like that I am hiding something and kind of let her know what it is. So he mm-hmm. kind of like tells her about his wife, her, his wife being taken by the Harkonnens. I know he's very good at it. Yeah. At getting away with it. Even though she, he doesn't really get away with it. It's just that she likes him. Right. Right. She's like, oh, he was hiding something the whole time. <laughs> But I don't want to be rude and right. <laughs> make him embarrassed. It does have one of the rare, very expository lines of dialogue, which is, we've been friends for six years. <laughs> <laughs> but Jessica, we've been friends for six years. <laughs> or yeah, Yui, you can call me Jessica. <laughs> I know right, six right. years is such a weird amount of time. It's not very long, actually. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's long enough. Yeah, it's not that long. It's not that long in like, court and like royal years right you know it is kind of like oh he's just joined us the princess Irulan could write like 50 books in that time <laughs> yeah she's very prolific she has to hand write those yeah right <laughs> main things in that one right is the uh-huh. like the palm trees and then her perception and then him kind of revealing what happened to his wife yeah she kind of throws Thufer under the bus a little bit Right. Oh, and then I like this part with the Battle of Corin, where Jessica, he says, Jessica says, but the poison in him, and he's talking about the Baron, says the mm-hmm. poison in him deep in his mind is the knowledge that an Atreides had a Harkonnen banished for cowardice after the Battle of Corin. The old feud, Yui muttered. And uh, then we kind of realize that that's like what, partly why... So the Duke is almost responsible for the Harkonnen stealing Yui's wife. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And, but that's also why the Harkonnens like have it have such a hard on for Leto. For sure. For yeah. sure. But he like humiliated them or something like disgraced them. And so now they have turned again. And if he hadn't done that, then maybe the, the Harkonnens wouldn't have. Anyway, I thought it was cool to like see a full justification of why he could betray this family in particular too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I'm like pro Yui. <laughs> yeah. Despite the, the treason. <laughs> despite the treason is call. <laughs> the million deaths. He <laughs> Propaganda. Yeah. And I'm taught from childhood. Um, but yeah, that's Yui. Okay. So next. Next is Paul. Like he, Paul. he yeah. He's faking sleeping again. His old tricks. Yeah. <laughs> he pal- he palmed his sleeping pill, so he can yeah. fake sleep because it's like his favorite thing to do is to not sleep. It's his only skill, as so far we've seen. Because he wants to get up and like explore the house, but yeah. he doesn't want to ask if he can because he knows if he asks, they'll say no. So uh-huh. if he just does it, he's not breaking any rules. <laughs> it's like five-year-old mentality. No, he's still a bit of a child. 
and then we get the hunter seeker which is just like cool paul paul's ninja skills mm-hmm. he stops in midair very cool the hunter seeker it's a pretty it's like um like a drone i guess yeah with like t-rex vision or What's like it t- looks oh it can't see anything yeah, it, can't like, see. Yeah. <laughs> it can only see if you're moving it yeah. can only see movement yeah it's not very sophisticated it's just kind of like bouncing around but does sound very deadly and shout saved, out yeah. opens the yeah he Go ahead. saves shout out Sh- shout out mapes opens the door the hunter seeker goes after her he grabs it and smashes it uh-huh and then she's like it was gonna kill me <laughs> yeah and she then she says before I do your bidding, Manling, I must cleanse the way between us. You've put a water burden on me that I'm not sure I care to support. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, so Manling funny. is also so awesome. <laughs> Calling yeah, him a manling. He is a little manling. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> manling? Who are you calling Manling? And then he's like, where's my mom? And uh, she's like, oh, she's in the weirding room. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like secretly like, what the fuck is a weirding room? Weirding room? Okay, <laughs> but I also like that she doesn't want like any sort of debt to him. I like that right. she's immediately like, okay, this is too awkward. Like, I can't carry like that level of burden. <laughs> right. So I'll tell you the secret. You have a traitor. You have a traitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good thing she had that in her pocket. The shout out mapes. He attached the label. The shout out mapes. Yeah. So that one's pretty short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have Jessica finding the weirding room. Uh-huh. Which was pretty weird, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it is a strange room. It, it's like a greenhouse. Oh, but first I really like this um, Bene Gesserit proverb. Any road followed precisely to its end leads precisely nowhere. Yeah. Ah, mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Pretty good. So yeah, we're in the weirding room, uh, which Jessica broke into using the the most. I don't know. It seems like a real oversight in in security yeah. to have a door that can detect like a person's palm. But if you <laughs> don't push your palm all the way in, it doesn't know what's going on, and you can open the door. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wiggling the handle essentially. It did seem extremely easy. Yeah, surely not a palm lock. <laughs> So she gets in there, and then we have another kind of like gross display of excess. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I know. It's like, it's like all a really awkward. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh shit! Like if like a few palm trees was a hundred people, like how many is this just superfluous greenhouse? Yeah. With a fountain. <laughs> With a fountain. Like, there's a fucking fountain. <laughs> Pretty disgusting. And she's like, oh, did my duke leave me a present? <laughs> I love uh-huh. Jessica, but she's kind of funny. So yeah. Yeah. She doesn't, yeah, that, she's not too worried about the Fremen. Right. It seems like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. While that weirding room is like this like gross display of like excess, it's also like, I kind of want one. Like, oh, yeah. weirding room sounds pretty cool. What is weird? What is a weird? What is weirding in it? So, weird, weirding, uh, I, I've got the definition if you okay, want. Okay. Yes, please. That which partakes of the mystical or of witchcraft. So it's just like a, it's like for a Benny Gesserit, like kind of yeah. like chapel or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so they have roses and a, a jungle, <laughs> a fountain. Yeah. All pretty crazy. It sounds super Zen. Yeah, it does. And then, and then 
Jessica finds a coded message from the previous occupant. Yes, Margot Lady Finring. Right. Who she's just she just was here before as a proxy. Think, like she was the same I think situation. so from what I understand, Fenring is who came between the Harkonnens and the Atreides, like just in the in, in the interim. Mm-hmm. So they were they were just there in between the Harkonnen and the okay. Atreides to like to oversee like the, the, the changeover essentially. They're basically imperial right workers or something. Yeah. So she Excess leaves a, a message for Jessica, which mm-hmm. is just that she has that there's a traitor. That there's a think- traitor and there's something mysterious in Paul's bed. Do you think there's a significance to the fact that Jessica and Paul both find out that there's a traitor at essentially the exact same time? Um, or is it just a narrative device? <laughs> what a good question. I do think it's a narrative device, but I also feel like it's the same thing where you're not really sure if it's like a prophecy or not, if it's like mm-hmm. real magic or not. Right. Kind of. But it probably like reinforces to them the importance of it, but they don't mention it explicitly. Right. They're just like, oh yeah, I already knew. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But it's like kind of the weirding thing, like where it's just in the air. Like it's time for them to realize that. Right. Uh, Which is storytelling as well. The magic <laughs> of storytelling. <laughs> Paul is so rude. He says, um, when my father is bothered by something you've done, he says, Benny Jesuit, like a swear word. <laughs> <laughs> for no reason. He kind of says that out of nowhere. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was an insult or if he's like just like, you know, ragging on her for fun. <laughs> no, it was I think so. I think he was just like, haha. There's some tension there. And then yeah, they talk about who they think the traitor could be. The list is pretty short. Yeah. And now Paul is being summoned to some kind of man meeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're on the next chapter. So now we get yep. the Duke and Gurney. Yeah, this chapter kind of washed over me a little bit oh yeah i like the next one a lot but yeah this one i guess he's talking about he's mostly just really upset that um somebody tried to take a hit out on paul right he's trying to like kind of like he just keeps saying like someone tried to kill my boy yeah he's like about to rage out he like cannot keep himself together yeah he's brooding a lot Uh, and it's like what the you were the one to drag everybody here and say uh-huh. no big deal like this is fine i can handle it and then one little <laughs> hunter seeker thing comes in and he's like totally unhinged right yeah yeah i mean he should have expected it i mean yes that's what i was saying like he kept saying like oh you got to know the trap in order to beat it but like this is a very obvious trap and also right. they were warned multiple times <laughs> right so he tells gurney to to try to get some of the outgoing spice workers to stay and work for the Atreides. Yeah. And they just like kind of like have a conversation that's kind of boring about, well, is 20% enough money? Like, <laughs> I'm like, why are we? Haggling <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, like yeah. just give them 30%. Get, just give it to them. Who cares? I mostly just saw it as like kind of helping establish their relationship. Gurney keeps quoting yeah. things. <laughs> and and I feel like the, that is like a modern day version of that would be like the guy that always quits a movie, like in any situation, like uh-huh. he's going to 
you know, yeah. quote a movie. Yes, 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 yes. And I'm like, that must be pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs> like I get, I get occasionally like you have a quote on, on hand, but like Gurney's just like, after everything you say, he's got a fucking quote. No, he's great at it. He like <laughs> really is, he's got a good memory for this stuff. So here's here's the here here's an exchange, and this uh-huh. is how I read it. Uh, this is Gurney. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're going to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, Saya. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity of the sand. And then the Duke replies, a very moving quotation. <laughs> like I I read that as him just being like, yeah, yeah, come on. Dude. Yeah, totally. He's just Quotes. like, right. Yep. Uh, very moving things uh but can you turn your crew over to yeah, it yeah. and then just like gets <laughs> right, yeah, right back like, to okay okay let's get back yeah, to what we were talking about five second pause yeah 20 yeah, percent <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah gurney's like a little bit exasperating yeah in this one yeah totally um but yeah the duke the duke just doesn't want to do any of this he's like he doesn't want there to be any class he doesn't want there to be any like need for leadership he doesn't, he's like embarrassed by money. He just like hates this whole thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Duke. He just wants to go to Aruba with Jessica, <laughs> which they deserve it. <laughs> or go wherever. Go to San Diego. So then we are in the 12th chapter, which is just dense with. <laughs> A lot, the fur. Yeah. It's going it, off. It's oh, just fuck. like. A lot of talk about what they're going to do. Yeah. Like, it's wrote, a lot of talk. I wrote down a lot of, a few of the terms that I just, like, didn't. I mean, these are all easy to look at. But just, so, Salido, Tridy, Projection, Dragline, Outfit, Shield Wall, Siege, Shrine Side, Static, Counter Charge, <laughs> Carriol, Thopter, Sappho, Juice, Judge of the Charge, OC, Bible, Liet, Solaris, Desert Botanical, Resting Period. <laughs> like they're all, it just like goes, like, this is so term heavy. Yeah. But it's fine. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff, especially when you list them all together like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just trying to write down, I was like, I don't know that word, I don't know that word. Now um, I know a few of them. Yeah, it's just a lot of like, dry planning that makes me kind of zone out a little bit uh (laughs) until until stilgar shows up and then i'm like then the chapter rules again yeah but yeah like it starts out okay i'm like okay paul's here he's like experienced this feels new to him he feels like excited to be at the table at first it seems like and then yeah and then he's like disgusted totally disheartened by his dad yeah (laughs) which is heartbreaking so, a lot of dry chuckles. I, there was a few f- dry chuckles. <laughs> a lot of moments where the people are laughing. They don't mean it. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the chapter where they're like, oh, no, that might have been a different chapter where he's like, I have to decide to be like funny just so we can get over the fact that there was like an attempt on my son's life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, And that- they laugh a little too hard. <laughs> Well, okay, that's it. It says dry chuckles sounded around the table, and Paul realized that his father had said the precisely correct thing in in precisely the correct tone to lift the mood here. So I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but yeah, that he was like trying to lift the mood. He keeps making you know jabs at the Harkonnens and stuff. Right. Yeah. So in in this dry list of things they're going to do includes infiltrate spy smugglers network, 
to and, and win their support. They're going to like get ready for the Harkonnen oh, thank attack. Thank God you did this because I didn't get <laughs> any of this. Well, I was zoning out. I, I was doing audiobook at this uh-huh. point and I just kept having to hit back 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had to entertain myself by just writing down these terms. Prepare for the Harkonnen attack. And then they planned a secret raid of Harkonnen spice reserves on another Mm -hmm. planet. And then they're talking about how they want to recruit the Fremen as warriors. And then they mention the mysterious, you know, Liet, a possible god. Who knows? Uh Uh-huh. This mysterious man. And and then Stilgar shows up. And then I'm like, I perked up because I like Stilgar. Yeah, and I thought the Duke had some pretty cool lines in it. Yeah. Like, he kept saying, like, cool ideas about you know one i liked was when he said most of the houses have grown fat by taking few risks one cannot truly blame them for this one can only despise them it's like yeah it's pretty cool it's good it's good pretty good i i feel like so i wrote down that i feel like if the original star wars trilogy is based on all like the cool like religion and prophecy and battles of dune Mm -hmm. that the prequel trilogy is based on like this chapter, <laughs> like just like the dry, like talking about what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got a lot done. This is just a war room, right? right? Like, I mean, they're just like doing war room stuff. So he did do that well. It's not like right. it's like just for no reason, like it is in the prequels of Star Wars. Right, right. This doesn't add up to anything. So then Stilgar shows up. Oh, but, oh, and also they kind of have that cool, like, hologram thing that they do in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the Salido Tridy projection. (laughs) Right. Just this ridiculous name. Yeah, Stilgar shows up, who is really cool. Because they found found a Fremen, and they found the Chris knife. Right. And they're, like, kind of showing it, and Stilgar comes in, and he's like, Do not unsheath that knife! (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because they'll have to kill them all, right? Well, they'd have to kill someone, yeah. I don't know if he'd kill, <laughs> kill all of them. I thought that, well, the shout-out mape says you can't leave Arrakis alive if you've seen a Chris knife. And, well, if it hasn't drawn, yeah, if it hasn't drawn blood. And if you haven't been given to it in a friendly way or something? or Yeah, I'm still a little fuzzy on the details of Chris knife. <laughs> I know that it's made from the tooth of the worm. That I get, yeah, yeah for sure. yeah. And that you you shouldn't draw the sheath. That it's like uh, it's like a very intimate thing. But most of it just yeah seems like acts of respect towards death, right, or something, killing. And then they they kind of like Stilgar's kind of like being a kind of being a boss in there. Yeah. And all of uh, Leto's men are like are like uh, you can't talk to him like that. And Leto's like chill, chill, chill. He's cool. Uh-huh. He's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they like kind of make a, a friendship in that moment, and Stilgar like spits on a table. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and again they're like, Hua! and he's like, hey, yeah. you know, r- yeah. relax. They explain that that like what a sign of respect that is. And yeah. then after Stilgar leaves, like Leto's just like, God, that guy's so cool. <laughs> like, he's like, are all the Fremen this cool? Uh, we find, find that. out that Duncan Idaho has one of the knives and that there's that million dollar like hit on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. If other Fremen match him, we'll serve each other well. That's what Leto says. Oh, yes. He's a fair sample, sire. 
Oh, what is the judge of change? Do you know that? The judge of change? Yeah. They mention him a few times. The judge of change. The judge of the change. I don't know. Where is that? They Okay, well, he again, says. Again, I zone out in this chapter so bad. <laughs> I know. I know. I, yeah. Okay, the judge of the change. The imperial. Wait. I don't know. He just says it out of nowhere. Is it Keynes? Judge of the change. An official appointed by the la- by the Landsrot High Council and the Emperor to monitor a change of, of a fief. A Kenley oh, so negotiation. Is yeah. 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 Okay. Keynes or Kynes or whatever you pronounce yeah. it, right? Yeah. A formal, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. oh, literally the judge of the change. I get it. Okay. Right. Makes oh, sense. Cool. Yeah. And then Hawat and Duke Leto get into kind of a little tiff. Mm-hmm. And Paul is like, oh, dad is <laughs> <It's> like so <laughs> turned off <laughs> and he talks about how the whole meeting why do they fight oh it's because duke leto wants to like destroy the bases or something or he doesn't oh yeah he wants to he wants to infiltrate the bases and and they're owned by the they're technically the empire's mm-hmm. the emperor's property but also like it would be insulting to the fremen but he wants to like take resources from them, find them and take resources from them. Yeah. So he has and- some plan. He has some plan and everyone's like very clever. And I'm like, I don't get it. Oh yeah. I didn't get that either. <laughs> Wait, where, what were they like? Oh, excellent. Sir. I wish I had thought about it myself. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's just to make everything look legal, but I did still don't. Was that it? It was just to like pay the fine. He's just like they're all applauding because he pays taxes. <laughs> yeah, I don't specifically remember right now. Anyway, that's that's something else though. That's a, that's part of another thing. <laughs> um. Yeah, they have many plans in the works. Gurney says another quote. Yeah, and the Duke says, "Someday I'll catch that man without a quotation, and he'll look undressed." <laughs> He's says, had enough. <laughs> yeah. Chuckles echoed around the table, but Paul heard the effort in that. <laughs> so harsh. <laughs> Paul is really seeing like the da- like his dad like like fully naked or something. Yeah. Well, so there's that last line. Paul stared at the place where his father had stood. The space had been empty even before the Duke left the room. Whoa. I know, right? <laughs> oh, so harsh. <laughs> oh my god. And then yeah, he says. For the father, nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because the Duke isn't taking anything seriously. He doesn't, like, get the priorities. He's totally lost. Cool. So that, that concludes that part. Okay. So you, you wanted to do yeah. what you thought of during this? Yeah. So I, I thought of a, uh, I guess we'll call it a segment yeah. uh, where uh, we can call it whatever we want. I just wrote inspired by Dune. Uh, pretty I think it name. gets the point across. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. So I was thinking it was just like a moment where we could like, after our discussion, uh, where we could like talk about songs, movies, books, what, what, whatever media that we think about while reading this or media that's been clearly inspired by Dune, something mm-hmm. maybe you've discovered that's, uh, that's specifically inspired by Dune. So I found some songs. Cool. I'm going to just like play some little clips if that's okay. Yeah, please. Okay. 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 And who is this? So I'll, I'll tell you each one. I'll tell okay. you each one. Okay. Let me pull this up. I got the sound going. Uh, all right. Okay. So that's 
Okay. So, well, the first one is because I, I, I just want to play a real quick clip of this one. We, we talked about Tool last week. Yeah. And, and how they relate to, to, uh, to Dune. And I looked up this track, which is just an instrumental. I'll just play a little tiny bit of it. Here, I'll jump to the middle. So it's just, you know, some spacey doodling. Jumping around here. So that is called, and I'm not going to pronounce this correct, uh, Litany contre la peur, which translates, it's French, mm-hmm. to Litany against fear, which ah, is cool. uh, the fear is a mind killer phrase. So yeah, we're like specifically referencing Dune there. Um, um, are they French tool? Nope. Nope. Just decided <laughs> to, I think they wanted to like reference Dune, but didn't want to put it in English. So they just changed <laughs> yeah. like, that's just a tool thing to do <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to have a track that's in a different language for no reason. So is this, all. do you resonate with this? It's like sounding like what you'd imagine Dune. So I do kind of hear it. Like I mm-hmm. kind of like have that like kind of like, oh, it's this spacey kind of atmospheric feel. It has a, it has a mystical kind yeah, of Yeah, it has like, like a new agey almost. Yeah, kind of, it almost yeah. sounds like a kind of like, it's not, there's no sitar in it, but it almost has that kind of like sitar kind uh-huh. of feel, like very spacey new agey. Yes. And then- Oh, cool. <laughs> a, this this is this is a song I sent you a cover of this song mm-hmm. um, because you were talking about how you like you you, you imagined Prague mm-hmm. when you li- when you read Dune. So I sent you a Dream Theater cover of this song. This is a an Iron Maiden song called "To Tame a Land," and I'll play the beginning of it and then I'll jump into the lyrics and see if we can listen to some of these lyrics. Cool. Like most Iron Maiden songs, this takes a very long time to get going. Even just with that one line. He's a quintessential wreck. He was, yeah. Born on Galadan, he will take the Bomjabar. Yeah, it's literally just facts about Dune. You know, it's so funny today. So I'm learning to play the ukulele, but it's all just because, whatever, you know, everybody's doing that. And I was like, oh, you know, it would be fun to write a folk song about Dune. Oh, yeah. And then I was thinking about like Led Zeppelin writing about Lord of the Rings all the time and yeah. like metal like that. It just, yeah, it's a great, it's easy. <laughs> He's like, what's that? that rock? um, rocks. <laughs> so just within my little exploration into the heavy metal Dune mm-hmm. stuff, I found this. On the I don't, I've I never really even like. heard of this guy. <laughs> it's Arjun Anthony Lucasen's Star One. The album is called Space Metal. Mm-hmm. And the and song. The, the song is Sand Rider. Very cool. Is, and then they, yeah, they talk about Dune in it. What are they, which part are they talking about? Just. Uh, I think they, they're mostly talking about like the, the sandworm stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I won't, I won't spoil. I won't spoil any for anybody that's listening that hasn't read this book. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing 
while doing some quote unquote research. Did you know that Grimes' I didn't. I'm first at album that. is called Getty Primes? <laughs> and it's, entire, it's an entire <laughs> album about Dune. I had, I no, had no idea. <laughs> it blew my care. mind. I think I probably knew, like listened to this before I ever really like paid that much attention to Dune. Because Getty Primes like is triggering a memory. But now that I'm looking at it, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, like, so just like, I'll read the track list for Getty okay. Primes. Uh-huh. Caladan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sardaukar Levenbrech. Zol, <laughs> Face Dancer. Rosa, Avi, Fade Ralph, Dark Heart. Perfect. And then Shout Out Mapes is shout the one that I like pick here. Shout Out Mapes. Let's play a little bit of Shout Out Mapes. This is a very spacey... Wow. <laughs> That's such an honor and I love it. I feel, yeah, yeah I'm really happy. I just, I, I don't know. It just, I was just made me feel so joyous to learn that Grimes was such a Dune nerd. Me too. I love that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> shout out Mapes. And she wrote one for the shout out Mapes. <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait to listen to that. Uh, it's not surprising to me at all. No, I, no, it's, it's, I guess it's not surprising. It was just like, Wow. I just had, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. What a wonderful (laughs) find. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I just put one song on here. Um, It has, it's mostly just the kind of music I've been listening to while reading Dune. So that's all it is. You want to play some of it here? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Hey, look. Hey, look. Hey, look. And that's uh, uh, uh Tufan Durance. Durance, Durance. Durance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I like the like electronic stuff, but it doesn't. Sometimes it feels too like I can only see that like as Dune is like an old video game. So I, <laughs> right. <laughs> I like to imagine it more as like a real place, or like I don't, there's more air, I guess. Like, it's really easy to imagine it as an old video game with that 80s stuff, because I think there was tons of stuff that was inspired by Dune, and, like, I've mm-hmm. absorbed a lot of it. And so it comes up all the time when I'm reading. But, yeah, I like that kind of, that music, that guy, because uh, it feels very airy. But similar, it has, like, that, like, metal feel. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, cool. guitar riffs. <laughs> cool. Cool. Good segment. Yeah. I like that idea. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. Um, cool. All right. So good discussion. Good discussion. Um, so next time. Oh, yeah. I thought actually um, the next six chapters kind of wrap up pretty well. Okay. Yeah. So that's what, 13 through 18? Yeah. Yeah. I think it ends when... Oh, I'm not going to say. It's a yeah. bit of a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. we'll just have right. to trust. Yeah. Yeah, thirteen. So thirteen through eighteen, and then and so uh, people who are reading along with us again, if we have, if you have any like questions for us or thoughts you want to share or like feelings about the book you want to share, you can email sand at the podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, especially uh, if you have a really clean breakdown of their strategy. Although Lance, you did a really good job. Chapter twelve. <laughs> wow. 
I had to go back a lot and I still miss a lot. Yeah, but totally email us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, did we have a sign off? I don't oh. think we decided. Oh, you had one? No, wait. I thought we did. I don't remember that we did. <laughs> okay. We could just say Yui, Yui, Yui. Yeah, let's <laughs> just say the, ch- the children's favorite chant. Oh, here we go. I got it. All right, cool. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yui, Yui, Yui. I'm reading it like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, let's do it like kids. Okay, great. Okay. We're skipping goes refrain. Okay. Right. Yui, Yui, Yui. A million deaths were, were not, not enough, enough for Yui. <laughs> it's hard to get it at the same time. No, I thought that was great. That's <laughs> children all across the universe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, okay. cool. Talk to you later. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'll stop. The Bye, recording. everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Walking in the sand Walking hand in hand Night was so excited